Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello again, everybody. Hi, Kim. How are you? I am well. Thanks, Mark. How are you? Everything is great. Good. Every week, uh, Kim and I are here on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9 FM, and talking wine with our listeners. We always enjoy getting together and bringing up topics we think are interesting in the wine world. And today, Kim, we have an article that was in Drink Business that I thought was um, interesting because it talks about how to calculate how much wine you need when you're having a party. And I'm sure, Kim, like myself, you have seen some formulas in the past in the industry that you and I, probably And I have use. one that I use myself. <laughs> All right. So great, because I brought my old fail safe. And, ah, great. And, uh, in this article, they used a formula that they called the fail-safe formula uh -huh. created by Bon Appetit. And I guess we'll start with that. So they said you have to take your number of guests times the estimated number of glasses per person, divide that by four, and that's the number of bottles you will need. So number of guests times the estimated glasses per person would drink, divide by four, and that's the number of bottles. So when I first saw this formula, I think, okay, how do we estimate glasses per person? And they had an interesting take on how you estimate a glass per person. Mm -hmm. Did you see that, Kim? About I did. So one before dinner, assuming, they're assuming now that a, a guest would have one glass before dinner, a few, a quote, few during dinner, another after dinner. So to me, Kim, that calculates out to a, one guest would probably drink a bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. with that formula. Did you think that's an accurate assumption of consumption? You know, this is a really hard thing to estimate. And it's been something that I've been trying to figure out literally since I was planning my wedding. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. How do you figure out how much wine to have for a party? But not just wine. Like, what if you also have beer? What if you also have cocktails? What if you also have a mimosa bar like I had at a party this past summer? How do you figure out what to have and how much to have? And it's not really an easy calculation. And I think that this is a good first step, but I don't think that it necessarily helps you with the nuances of if you have multiple types of beverages. So I think that the, oh yes, pe people will have a glass of wine before dinner, a couple of glasses with dinner, and then let's bet that they will have another one after dinner, which really does work out to a bottle of wine per person. And this might not be any worse of a calculation of how much people are going to consume than your rule of thumb or my rule of thumb. But I really think that it does sort of lead you to, well, there's no necessarily right answer for this conundrum that we run into when we when we entertain. It is difficult. So a lot of people ask that, well, how much do I need? Mm -hmm. And then you know, I get it. Just... I get the question all the time. And I can, can we... imagine folks like caterers or reception facilities get this, <laughs> like what, get this question all the time. 
And uh, I feel like they would be the ones to know. Yeah. And it, it's tough. And I don't know how people could honestly feel good when they give you a number, because like you said, in this, we're going to talk obviously about calculating for wine for your guests. But you, like you said, Kim, there's people that will be drinking beer at your party. They'd be drinking liquor at your party. It's not even talking about how much white, how much red, how much sparkling. We're just talking mm-hmm. an estimated wine number. And then you have to factor in, which which I always tell people when they're, they're kind of guessing of what the amount they need, someone's going to bring something too. So now you're going to add what they bring to what you're giving them. And you have to work that into the consumption part as well. So let's just use that formula that we talked about, number of guests. So say we have 10 guests, estimate they have five glasses of wine. So that would be 50, right? Divided mm-hmm. by four, right? It's like 12 and a half bottles. Yeah. So you're looking at a guests. case of wine. For, yeah. For 10 guests. And they're saying also as a side note, calculate for extra guests. So case and a half, say, of wine, right? But then you're going to have some people who drink a little bit less and some people who drink a little bit more. So I do think that it works out unless you know that you have a crowd that will be consuming (laughs) maybe a little bit more or maybe a little bit less. So I think for your situation where you're working with a smaller group of, say, 10 people, you can gauge that a little bit better, I feel, because you know who those people are. You know that Uncle Frank is probably going to drink two bottles just by himself, but that, I don't know, Cousin Sam is only going to have two glasses of wine. So I feel like for smaller groups like that, it might be a little bit easier. I think where it gets tough is where you have like a group of 50 and you don't necessarily know people's drinking habits. So you said, Kim, you had an old formula you would use. So Mm -hmm. for 10 guests, what was your formula. So my formula, similar is, to mine. my formula is one drink per person per hour, but that includes everything. So that would be cocktails, that would be wine, but it would also be like soda or yeah, total beverages, other stuff. So knowing that you need to have other things on hand besides alcoholic beverages, like plain water is one thing, but sparkling water or soda or lemonade or something like that. I've found that that generally works pretty well because you get to a point where, okay, you know, if it's (laughs) you're three hours in and you're on your fourth glass of wine, you know, you're starting to get a little tired. Maybe I have sort of found that that works pretty well because you do need to take into consideration how long is this event going for? If it's just an hour and a half or a two hour thing, people might have three drinks over the course of two hours. But if it's a five-hour thing, they generally will not be having more than that one drink per person per hour. I want to address that hour thing. But first, I want to tell you, I had a chart, and this was probably from, I would say it was from the old Mr. Boston book going way back uh, or something. But uh-huh. it had it had the number of people. That was it. Just how many people are you having? And it was all wine-based. And it would say for 10 people, so we'll stick with that number 10, it would say you need four bottles of whites, two bottles of red. So only six bottles hmm. on this chart that I had. So a lot less than the calculated 12 and a half bottles for the Bon Appetit calculation. See, if that um, were Thanksgiving with my family, we would run out of wine so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's another thing I think we should talk about because- I tend to see that a lot. People, when you tell them, if I was to tell someone, I think you need a case of wine for 10 people, a lot of people would probably be like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I'm not 
serving all that wine. I'm, I'm that seems like a about, lot, right? Yeah, right. I mean, because you think about it, do we really, well, me and you do, but do people really consume one bottle in a sitting like that? And in how many hours? I mean, you have to think. So do you want to cut back a little bit just to make sure people don't consume too much? Or do you want to go by these charts where the suggested serving amount? So I don't know if if they've been updated recently, or this one they were talking about in the article is a recent calculation. Mm-hmm. I did notice in, I think it was a Pinterest infographic that did take your point about the number of hours. So it said the number of people multiplied by two is the glasses per hour. So if we had 10 people times two, that would be 20 glasses per hour times the number of hours you figure you're hosting. So say we had a four-hour party, that would be 80 glasses of wine, which would be you'd need 16 bottles. See, that so I feel like pretty is too close. much. <laughs> well, four hours. I mean, so if you figure- Yeah, but four hours people, and two drinks an hour. But we're only off by four bottles. Yeah, but that's eight drinks. That's a lot. Well, four times- 20 drink, 20 more, 20 drinks by 10 people. It's two extra drinks a person. Yeah. But those really. two extra drinks, yeah. you know, that's the yeah. difference between feeling happy and having a hangover. See, well, it's <laughs> funny. Now you're going the other way. Now you're saying it's too much. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> but I mean, there's so many different calculations out there. So let's take that number. Say it is a case, Ken, for 10 people. How would you break it down for reds, whites, and sparkling? Does it depend on if it's a holiday time of year, would you take all that into consideration? See, that's or? the hard part. And for me, I always overbuy because I'm an Italian mother and <laughs> I never want to run out of anything. So I would get more than those 12 bottles, honestly, because I would be afraid that, oh, maybe I, I'm going to get two bottles of sparkling wine as our appetizer-y kind of as people are gathering before we sit down to a meal or before the party really gets rolling. But what if we run out of those and we want a third bottle of that? Right. So I would err on the side of caution and get, say, an extra bottle or two of everything that I'm serving. So I probably would end up with extra wine. I just wouldn't necessarily know which wine I was going to end up with extra of. And I think that the breaking down of this much sparkling, this much white, this much red is a little bit harder to figure out than you need this total number of bottles for your event. Yeah, But I guess it depends on where you want to put it in your party, right? So if you have wines that are specifically going to go with dinner and you're not going to open them up until dinner is on the table. That's one thing. But if you're going to open everything at the beginning and then just let people pick and choose what they want to drink, I think that does make it a little bit harder because some people are going to want red, some people are going to want white. And the trend seems to always be changing, but there's this pretty consistent idea that reds and whites, I think, are equally popular. And I don't think that sparkling is necessarily as popular as the other two categories as much as I would like them to be. Right. Unless you're doing something like a mimosa bar, uh, in which case that's like its own thing. So you need to make, I think, concessions for having enough of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think... uh 
good point in this article. I liked how they said assuming during the meal, before the meal, after mm-hmm. the meal. And that's smart too, you know, you especially pick. if you're planning like a wedding, like you need to take into consideration, oh, there's like a reception before the actual dinner that people are going to want to have a drink or maybe two before they actually sit down with their meal. And I think it definitely has to be a mix because not everybody likes red. Not everybody likes white. Right. And it depends on what you're having for the meal. You can make a lot of people happy before the meal and after the meal with a sparkling wine or something refreshing white because the red drink will say, I'll just wait and I'll have the red with my meal if the red is Mm -hmm. what you're pairing with the meal. So, but there is a lot to consider and, and people do really stress out about it, but we felt like they should really know that there are some formulas out there. Kim brought up the elephant in the room that you have to think of all beverages too. So we're trying to help you if you're having just wine calculation uh, here, but it gets a lot more complicated if you have a beer drinker coming. If What do you do if you have a bourbon drinker? Or, mm-hmm. you know, now you're talking you have to buy a million things and big bottles versus small bottles. How do you like buying the wine, Kim? Do you like getting a traditional... 750 size when you have a party or do you go box or do you find well, it usually i do a, a 750 banded yeah yeah, I, yeah that standard. seems to be popular now as well more people are doing that than doing like a big bulk thing mm-hmm. when they have people over did i ever I was, tell you the story about how much wine to buy for my wedding no <laughs> Were so you letting when, them tell you or you would say, no, no, no. No. So when we went to the reception hall that we were having our wedding and, you know, we told them how many people were coming and they told us the amount of wine that we should order for it, which was we had just shy of 200 people. And they said two cases of white, two cases of red, two cases of sparkling. I'm like, that so is six, not nearly enough wine. Six cases. So six cases of wine so, for so 200 people so, for the toast and for dinner and... Like that kind of thing. I'm like, that is not enough. But I have to tell you, they were spot on with their numbers. We also had an open bar and beer and all that stuff, too. Wow. Then that was still a lot. You think six cases was a lot for 200 people? Open bar event. Yeah. Oh, then there was open bar. Yeah. But as far as the wine went, I'm like, that's not going to be nearly enough wine. And we maybe had an extra bottle of everything, like one bottle of sparkling, one bottle of red and one bottle of white left over. They were so correct. But then, but that's all I was drinking because we know me in bubbles. So I probably drank two of those bottles just myself. But I was pleasantly surprised at how correct they were with their calculation that they knew how many people and they knew that, okay, because you're having an open bar and you're doing this, this is the amount of wine that you need. And we're like, whoa, 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 we're a big group of Italians, you know? And they're like, nope, we got it. And they were right. So So six total cases. Six cases of wine. So that's a lot. If you were to use this formula we're just talking about, 200 times, you guess what? They're going to have the toast. They're going to have maybe one glass with meal. So maybe 400 divided by four. That's 100 bottles. So that's lower than that calculation would be because you were in what? 72 bottles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but it, it did seem low. According to this formula, you would have needed you know, 100 bottles, right? Yep. So nope. wow. Yep. Worked out. Well, I mean, the experience there too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So So that's what I was thinking, too. It's like, I'm going to trust them because (laughs) they've done this before and I haven't. So, (laughs) yeah, it's a lot of pressure, though, isn't it? When people come in the store and they're like, Mm. you know, what should I get? And I feel like I'm so like they're going to have something goes wrong. Oh, that guy at the liquor store told me the total I ran out or I had too much. And 
And I think that's why I overbuy because I would much rather have too much than run out of a particular thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and a point on that, Kim, you bring up, if you do buy a little extra, make sure you buy something that you like. Yeah. Super smart people, idea. What do you like? Because if you're stuck with it, you can drink it, right? You don't buy something that Uncle Fred you know, likes and then you don't like it and he doesn't drink that day and now you're stuck with it. Yep. Always buy something that you like to enjoy the leftovers. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find more information about Mark on his website, franklinliquors.com, and more information about myself at commonwealthwineschool.com. And as always, you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. So yeah, our next article is one that I think Mark might have some issues with just because of where he is in the beverage industry. And it's an, an article from Wine Enthusiast about supermarket wines and how to buy supermarket wines according to sommeliers. So let's see what some of the professionals say about how to buy wine at a supermarket. Now, I know, Mark, you are kind of anti-supermarket wine because you own a wine store and you would much rather that people go to small businesses and, and buy their wines from someone who has hopefully spent some considerable time choosing the wines on that shelf as opposed to maybe a larger company dictating what should be out there. So it'd be very interesting to hear your take on this article. Yeah, I think you're going to be interested in what my feedback is because it's not really that. Of course, I'm, I'm biased oh. towards small business, but this article said, and it was in Wine Enthusiast, that these sommeliers are going to tell you, to me when I heard it, a sommelier is going to tell me the trick of wine in a supermarket. These are very educated wine drinkers. And they did have some tips of what they thought were good things to look for. But I was kind of thinking, tell me more, like, what's the value? What's mm -hmm. what, what should I look for on the labels that you see? What's maybe a health tip type of thing? I didn't think it was really an insider thing as much as them boasting, saying that they buy most of their wine at a supermarket, which, which did you believe that, Kim, as a sommelier? No. <laughs> yeah. Being because, one, you know, I don't buy my wine at a supermarket. <laughs> it, it, honestly, a sommelier is probably getting so much wine at their job that they don't even need to buy any wine, need be it a supermarket or a store. Well, they made not it sound necessarily. Like, they made it sound like they're going here every day and buying their wine to restock up. Well, I mean, when you're a psalm, you might not necessarily have access to taking the much home. Even if you taste a lot of wine, it might not be stuff that then your distributors will necessarily, I don't know, leave with you or that you have empty bottles or open bottles hanging around that you get to bring home from work. I think it depends on particular situations. So that part of it I can kind of see as Okay, you need to do a little wine shopping, just like I need to do a little wine shopping. Okay, so but think of it. This is the other thing I'm looking at. You're talking about shopping. As sommeliers, are they using the supermarket purchase to maintain their tasting skills or their education? Are they going into the supermarket to look for specific wines to help them with training their palate or educating them more? No, I think they're going just, in to get a bottle shopping. of wine for dinner on Wednesday night. Just casual, <laughs> right? And a lot like of you need something to go with your roast chicken on on Wednesday, so you're you know swinging into Trader Joe's and picking up a bottle of wine. And a lot of them made that comment that they get their quote house wines, yeah, 
It's the Tuesday t- night wines. That's what I yeah, call them. The house I call them wines Tuesday night or, wines. I call them the relative wines. You know, relative wines. You know, people coming <laughs> over. But no, so they did say, we go here, we're doing our shopping, we buy our house wines here. And it was mentioned in the article, and I think that this is a valid point, is that some of it is due to convenience. So if you're grocery shopping anyway, and the grocery store that you are in has a wine section, then yeah, if you are a wine lover and you can't help yourself and you need to buy a couple of bottles. I mean, that's me at Trader Joe's. I don't make it my the place that I go to buy three cases of wine in any given day. But if I'm there and I want a bottle of sparkling wine from mimosas on Sunday morning and there's a couple of cheap bottles that are decent house wines, then yeah, I'm going to pick up a few bottles. So I think that is at the heart of this, that it's not necessarily this is where they do all of their shopping, because I think that for people who are psalms and who are in the trade and maybe who are studying with other people or maybe who are having dinner with people, there is a bit of show-offedness, wanting to have nicer bottles when people come over, in which case you probably wouldn't be getting those at the grocery store. You brought up a good point, though. What you Like you're in Trader Joe's, for instance. There is something about being a wine geek in any store that sells wine and being attracted to a display or something that you just don't see every day. And I think that was one point in this story that they should have, because they had psalms from all over the place. Most of them were city-based mm-hmm. psalms. In the stores, you just look at around our area, the focus in supermarkets usually is pretty different compared to like Trader Joe's to another Shaw's or Big Y. Their selections are different based on their buyers, their corporate buyers, right? Like Trader Joe's selection is different than Shaw's and and Shaw's is different than Big Y. Some Mm -hmm. focus on their own brands, some focus on big brands, some have a mix of big and small brands. So I think the Psalms, when they're shopping, they probably get a little excited to see some different things. And they probably don't see a lot of the bigger brands at the places they usually shop. Right. So- I think that was kind of where it was going. And they did give some good tips, like I said earlier, Kim. Did you like any of the tips they gave? So, I mean, to look a lot for? of the tips were things that we've talked about before. Like, you know, yeah, there was the ones we covered before, like Spanish value Spanish, wines. Yeah, Spanish for yeah. good value. Or, you know, you have a favorite grape variety. Try that variety from some other place than you ordinarily drink. Like, if you normally drink New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, let's try something from Chile or let's try right. something from South Africa, that kind of a thing. I think where it's hard, and these articles are hard because this is not easy advice to give. And we do it or we try to do it all the time, but it's really difficult to give a, I'm going to give you the one piece of advice that is going to make you instantly a wine expert so that you can go shopping and always buy the perfect bottle of wine. It's impossible to do. That's what I was looking for. And I, (laughs) from a song. And I think that it's hard for, especially for something like this, because Like one of theirs was like, go for the private labels. But how are you, the consumer, supposed to know what is a private label and what isn't? They didn't talk about labels. They just said, go for the private label. They go for the private. They say private label wines are good value. But how are you supposed to know when you're in Whole Foods that that wine on the shelf is a private Whole Foods label and that you're getting better bang for your buck? Like it's a little bit easier at Trader Joe's because they tell you 
<laughs> you know, they tell right. you on the shelf, like exclusive brand, whatever. And for the wholesale clubs like Costco and BJ's, they usually have like their own branded things. So like Costco is Kirkland. So, you know, if you see Kirkland on the label, that that is their private brand. But not everybody probably knows that. Like I, right. it, everybody who shops at Costco who buys wine, a lot of those people might not know that that Kirkland thing on the shelf is a better value. I think that that, I mean, it's good advice, but it's also advice that can have some difficulties. There was one tip they did give that I don't think we ever talked about it that I thought was a really good thing to point out. And that was the wines in supermarkets that are on the top shelf are top shelf wines. And the wines that are on the bottom or lower shelves are usually what they call the bargains, which we would say probably say the inexpensive wines and it goes by price usually mm-hmm. in supermarkets so top- there's a reason why there's the turn of phrase like this is top shelf like well it's exactly. top shelf because the expensive stuff goes on the top shelf yeah exactly the jugs but go on the bottom i, I don't <laughs> think we've ever up top. talked about that yeah, in the maybe past we haven't and I, honestly if i've had times where merchandisers have come into my store and say oh you need to put this next mm-hmm. to this i'm like why because well that's what our marketing says our yep. label next to this label make people <laughs> pick our label it's like you don't know what my customers and besides i put stuff where where i think it works for <laughs> but that's my shelves that's a, alone <laughs> it's a big thing in the supermarkets they, they call it what shelf re, not rearranging or i forget what they call there's a term for the shelf fronting how they set it up in the grocery industry they pay for those prime oh, spaces. It's big, it's big business. Absolutely. But they did mention it in here. So, yeah. uh, but overall, I thought- But I don't know that that necessarily tells you where the value is though. Like, no, but it's telling, on the bottom is usually stuff, if you want to reach for it, go ahead. We don't, you know, we'd rather you reach <laughs> up and take that Rombauer mm-hmm. that's $30 on the top shelf and putting things at eye level. There's a lot of research towards that as well. But uh, you know, they, I was looking for a little bit more. What's the tip? You know, I'm a psalm yeah. and when I'm in the supermarket specifically, I look for this, but it just seems like they just enjoy shopping and it's convenient and they buy what they think are just mm-hmm. good everyday wines. But and- I mean, the, the research does show us that a lot of people do buy their wine at the grocery store. So I think it is a good idea to give some advice and some direction for that type of buying because at one point or another people will be doing it so yeah even myself it's convenient world i mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i look i'm a shopper i always say that i'm a shopper and (laughs) i notice things no matter what it is any product because it's all about presentation and how people and you love packaging (laughs) yeah (laughs) what people are putting where and what they're selling is interesting and in, in wine it's just so many levels to it Thank you for listening to us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. We love to get your questions and comments about the show, so please log on and leave us whatever you'd like to say. You can find us on Franklin Radio 102.9 WFPR, and our past episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Cheers. Cheers.